But let's face reality of where we are. In Texas, we have 29 million people. We've lost 495 at every life is valuable, but 500 people out of 29 million, and we're locked down, and we're crushing the, the average worker. We're crushing small business. We're crushing the markets. We're crushing this country. And what I said when I was with you that night, there are more important things than living, and that's saving this country for my children and my grandchildren, and saving this country for all of us. And I don't want to die. Nobody wants to die. But man, we got we to gotta take some risk and get back in the game and get this country back up and running. That's the lieutenant governor of Texas uh, talking about what we've been talking about a lot. And that, that's an interesting balance. It's also interesting to me that it's got, um, you know, a partisan breakdown to it. That you have blue governors with sort of the attitude of, you know, we can't come back into when somebody could still get sick or die. And then you have uh, red governors saying, yeah, some people will die, but we can't crush our economy over it. Well, and in my opinion, those blue governors you refer to are are making a false argument that it's all or nothing, as if to to get the economy reengaged to any extent is just throwing it open, and then the hordes will die. It's it's baloney. Hey, let's talk about that in in other matters before the Congress of the United States with Tom McClintock. He represents the fourth district of California that is in the northern chunk of the state, and uh, Tom is with us now. Hello, Tom. How are you, sir? Uh, well, I'm asymptomatic. How are you? <laughs> Likewise, thank you very much. Hey, why don't we just jump in uh, where the introduction left off uh, to our minds, and we're not deniers or, or, or Luddites or anything like that. Uh, we just understand that if you go with uh, policies that will prevent you know, every death preventable, you will crush the economy and cause many deaths. Exactly. Uh, And I think it's time we started asking how many poverty related deaths have we already set in motion by throwing 22 million Americans into unemployment? Uh, There's a Columbia University study a few years back that was funded by the National Institutes of Health. They estimated about four and a half percent of deaths in the United States are poverty related. Uh, And on on top of those poverty related deaths we've set in motion, I think we also have to ask how many suicide and domestic homicides uh, are are we seeing as people sit at home watching their jobs being destroyed? How many, you know, drug and alcohol deaths can we expect as, as, as Americans just, you know, stew in their homes waiting for permission to go out and back to work? Uh, I, you know, I asked Dr. Fauci these questions a couple of weeks ago. You know, have you taken into account the enormous economic damage that's being done by these policies and the poverty-related deaths we're setting in motion? And he says, no, we don't take those into account. Well, well by God, they should. One thing that's confusing to us is, you know, at one point, you know, California was concerned, okay, what's happening in New York is going to happen in California. Well, it hasn't. Um, and so either California is sheltered in place in time or, you know, the way viruses work, who knows for whatever, whatever happened, it doesn't look like it's going to be bad. So why does it, are they cracking down harder in so many different counties and towns now that we're past the worst of it, it would appear? Well, first of all, regarding California, remember the four worst days for California mortality were Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of this past week. Now, you do the math, the fatalities uh, that were recorded on those days, the worst we've had in California, were all people who were likely to have been infected with the virus after Newsom's stay-at-home order order took effect. So if, if these orders were effective, shouldn't we have seen a dramatic drop around the 24th or 25th day of the lockdown? We didn't. Well, and then and we're also we're also seeing 
a very little difference between those jurisdictions that have completely destroyed their economies by locking down uh, people in their homes and those jurisdictions that have simply undertaken the prudent measures you know to advise people to to you know wash your hands cover your coughs and sneezes uh use hand sanitizer avoid uh, handshakes and and hugs all the, all of the prudent steps those governments those jurisdictions have not damaged their economies but they're seeing about the same trend in mortality as we're seeing in those in those areas where they've completely destroyed the economy well we're concerned about human nature when it comes to power and uh, powerful like having power and they try to get more of it and they try to hang on to it as long as they can and it seems like some people are really getting a kick out of getting even more strict with i don't know if you saw the video of the swat team showing up to chase the one guy running on the beach i mean that sort of thing we we, I don't understand what's driving that at this point. Well, uh, uh, I think it's a combination of factors. I, I think the media is obsessed with it. There's an old maxim that uh, bad news sells. Um, if, if we were focusing as much attention on the 20 to 60,000 Americans who die every single year from the flu, as we are focusing on the COVID-19 deaths, well, we'd all be hiding under our beds. Uh, you go back and, and, and look at some of the past flu pandemics, in 1957, nobody remembers the Asian flu, but that killed 116,000 Americans in a much smaller population than we have today. Due to the population estimates, about 220,000 Americans in, in today's numbers. Um, nobody remembers that, but they all remember Sputnik that occurred the same year. Why? Because we didn't freak out, we didn't panic, we we uh, we coped and we got through it, uh, and. If all of these extreme measures were actually saving lives, if you could actually see a dramatic difference between the jurisdictions that shut down their economies and those that didn't, well, then maybe you could make the argument it was worth it. But we're not seeing any of those differences, and we're now getting actual hard data that uh, uh, the the actual fatality rate of COVID-19 is about the same as a bad flu season. There have now been two antibody tests done, one by Stanford University in Santa Clara County and the other just released yesterday by USC for Los Angeles County. Um, they actually test what percentage of the population's already had this and, and gotten over it. Most people don't even show symptoms or they experience it as a mild cold. And their, uh, their actual data, as opposed to just just guessing through modeling, their actual data tells us that the fatality rate is about the same as a bad flu season. If those numbers are replicated across the country, uh, well, there's going to be a lot of explaining that's going to need to be done. Uh, Congressman Tom McClintock represents the 4th District of California. Uh, Congressman, what the heck is going on in Congress right now? Because the government of the people have ordered all these businesses closed. So for once in my life, I'm in favor of we the people really helping out small business and, and giving away taxpayer money in a way that normally I'm not in favor of. But what is holding up the deal to help the backbone of our danged economy, America's small businesses? Well, the Democrats have been holding the uh, refunding measure for uh, the 
Paycheck Protection Plan. That's the loan program to small businesses. It ran out of money last week. Uh, uh, the Senate uh, Republicans uh, have a bill to replenish that fund so we can get checks to these businesses. And the Democrats in the Senate have been holding it up over a wide vari- uh, variety of other issues that they want to attach to the bill. Uh, we're hoping that there will be a uh, an agreement today, in which case the House will come back on, it looks like, Thursday morning uh, to vote on it. You know, I have not heard y- your colleagues uh, on the Republican side of the aisle in either house, uh, hammering, clean bill, clean bill, help small business. I mean, we got to get that messaging out somehow or other. Well, they are. They're just not getting a lot of attention from the right. left stream media. But th- yeah. that's, that's just a fact of life. So Fair I enough. just saw a tweet from uh, Governor Cuomo where he made the statement in his, his press conference that in New York they're going to open up regionally, not just, you know, the whole state is open or the whole state is on lockdown. Doesn't that seem like the best way to handle all areas, really? Because I know in my area there are counties where they've had zero fatalities. Then a couple of counties over, they got hit a little harder. Should they all be under the same you know, guidance that none of their stores can be open? Well, again, if, if, if you can show that any of these closures have actually saved lives, maybe you've got a case. But you can't show that because there is no difference or very little difference that we're recording, as I said, between the jurisdictions that have ordered these draconian measures and those that haven't. You look at South Dakota that has uh, remained open. Of uh, Their fatality rate is actually much lower than California's. You look at, at Sweden, their fatality rate is somewhat higher than the United States uh, and higher than, than a couple of surrounding countries, but it's actually... Uh, lower than several other countries like the Netherlands and Belgium that have imposed draconian restrictions. So you can't you can't make the argument from the data that this has saved any lives. You can make a very strong argument that it has absolutely destroyed our economy uh, and thrown millions of Americans out of work. That's an argument you can make. So my my point is, I don't think any of these closures were justified. Uh, uh, and the faster we can get uh, the, the the people back to work, uh, the the uh, less long-term damage will done to our economy. But every day this, this shutdown goes on, there are businesses that are closed and that are not going to reopen. And every day that goes by, it's going to be harder and more difficult to restore what was the most promising economy in our lifetimes just two months ago. Was that, are you a lonely voice on the Hill expressing that, Tom? Or is there any mass building behind that point of view? I think I think day by day and data point by data point, uh, uh, the opinion is growing in that direction. I will admit I am still in the minority, uh, but uh, I think you, you cannot deny the actual scientific data that's coming in from institutions like Stanford and like USC. And I'm sure we're going to see a lot more serology studies in the near future uh, that are going to be producing similar results. Uh, if that's the case, then, as I said, this was this was a, a catastrophic fiasco that has uh, done enormous damage to people's lives uh, with very little to show for it. Well, you can stop from making it worse, obviously, but we've already spent a ton of money. There are projections that we'll have a $4 trillion deficit this year, maybe? I mean, a lot of money's already been spent. That, that's been done, and some of it wisely and some of it not wisely. 
One, don't forget, that's all money that we're borrowing. And that does damage long term because all of that money ultimately has to be repaid. That comes out of our future economic growth. But even in the here and now, government borrowing crowds out money that would otherwise be available to loan to uh, businesses uh, seeking to rebuild or consumers uh, seeking to, to make consumer purchases. Uh, that money, once government borrows it, and we borrowed all of it, we don't have any of it, we borrowed all of the money we're spending right now is borrowed, that comes out of the same capital market that would otherwise be available uh, to, to, to loan for, for economic expansion. Right. Hey, let me just give you an amen, Congressman McClintock here. We talked about this the other day that uh, Tel Aviv University had done a study plotting the rates of new coronavirus infections, deaths, et cetera, in the U.S., the U.K., Sweden, Italy, Israel, Switzerland, France, Germany, and Spain. And irrespective of whether the company quarantined like Israel or went more or less about business as usual like Sweden, the coronavirus peaked and subsided in almost exactly the same way. And, and that's what the data is now showing us. Yeah, yeah, not, interesting. Not just modeling, but actual data. Right. Right, indeed. Congressman Tom McClintock represents the 4th District of California. Uh, Tom, it's always enlightening. Uh, keep fighting the good fight, huh? Thank you. You guys, too. All right. Thanks. One more thing on this kind of similar. Uh, ben Shapiro, talk show host, also on uh, KBC with us, tweeted, For a variety of reasons, a lot of Americans now think that flattening the curve meant that fewer Americans would get COVID total. That's not what the point of flattening the curve was. It was that it gets spread out over a longer period of time, keeping our hospitals from getting overwhelmed. But somehow it's become more of a making sure we end up with fewer total people getting it. No, no, because that would go on for years and years. That's the unless the sunlight uh, kills the contagion on uh, it's worth praying, I suppose, if you're a praying man or woman. But unless that happens, no, that would just spread out the uh, the immunity over years and years and years. Now, you could argue that, OK, well, by a year from today, say, we're hoping to have a vaccine. And so it would no longer matter nearly as much. But the idea that we can crush the economy in this way for a year. No, you are a crazy person. If you think, or I'm sorry, or you're just profoundly ignorant of A, the way economies work, and B, the inexorable link between economics and health. You will, with your policy, kill way more people than Chairman Xi's bat lab death could hope to. That's what Xi spread. It's not, better if you just say she. It's not getting any better. That That's line. what Xi spread. But that line's not getting any better, is it? I thought oh, maybe it would no. just like... In- no, well, it doesn't get funnier. You're emphasizing no. the zh a little... Like, oh, too you know, much? You got she. a little too much effort okay. in your delivery. All right. I'll work on that. I'll practice Ian it. Bremer says she. That's good enough for me. I'll practice it in the car on a drive home. Uh, that's what she said. And then I'll chuckle to myself. That's what I'll do. <laughs> that was better. That was better. Our text line is 415-295-Kids. <laughs> entertainment like that. <laughs> Strong and Getty Show. We have lots of people 
calling, lots of people asking, hey, when can you open back up? There's a, a lot of people still in the community that don't have streaming, that don't have the you know ability to have cable and whatnot, especially now with everybody being laid off and everybody being so much more cautious about how they're spending. And so we're trying to you know, find a way to get the doors open back up. And that's why I said we've spent the last several weeks cleaning and, and getting things ready so we can maintain that social distancing. That's the last blockbuster video in America. Oh. <laughs> that exists in Eugene, Bend, Oregon? Oregon right? Bend, Oregon. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Bend where my kid okay. lives. Um, and it's do they get do they get enough business to to justify it or <sighs> do people buy t-shirts online from all across the country? Surely they don't rent enough videos to justify it. There's no uh, way. What to stay open? They, they, and they pay the staff? There's yeah, that's not possible. I don't know. Why would I, I ever drive to a blockbuster to get a movie? Because it's a hipster retro? That would be cool once. Well, yeah, but Bend, man. That's what Bend is all about. <laughs> yeah, how am I supposed uh, to know what the employees pick if I don't go to the... They got the whole shelf there. You know, you got... <laughs> employee yeah. picks. You got Dean's Netflix picks. Is you just got, so, oh, so look what confusing. Madison says is the best movie of the week. She always picks good ones. Yeah, she right. said this one's a sleeper. I should Her probably take just like mine. I wanted to right. mention, um, I watched a movie on Saturday night, uh, uh, Avengers Endgame with my son. Oh, He'd been wanting to see that for a long time. So and, much punching. And all, all the reviews say <laughs> the kid's supposed to be 13 to watch it, but he's 10. Will we watch it? I don't understand why they thought it had to be 13. It's perfectly fine. Did it have smoking in it? <laughs> I'll tell you what, and this this is just a matter of taste, because like, I like country music. Some people hate it. Can't imagine how you listen. I have freaking no interest in a superhero movie. I just don't. I don't the understand. The punching movies just bore me. I, to I death. just don't. I don't get it. It's amazing to me the talent in that movie, the 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 quality of the actors they got for that movie. Mm-hmm. You know, they could be doing uh, Tennessee Williams on stage, but they're doing that because there's more money in it. But yeah. you know, if you like that sort of thing, you like that sort of thing. I got. I just. I kept watching, and thinking. I just have no interest in this. Well, this remember, not there's something more. That's, there's more money in it because it's the Chinese market. That billion people wants to see punching movies, and they don't give a damn about some American plot. Without without Paul Rudd as Ant Man being funny, I really wouldn't have been able to survive well, the movie. There's also a little bit of the you jumped in on the last episode of Breaking Bad aspect. Oh, this. Like, <laughs> it, like I haven't this seen is, any of the yeah, others. Yeah, that's his <laughs> thing. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So you're saying, Sean, that I might have liked Endgame Avengers better if I had seen any of the movies leading up to it instead of just jumping into the finale of a long 20-part story. Yeah, there are a total of 23 movies that make up the Marvel Cinematic Universe, of which you saw the last one. So there are certain things in there that maybe didn't land the payoff for you. That is a fair criticism. That is a fair criticism because I've got none of the the story background that might have made it a richer story because it just seems so shallow to me. But it would have been less shallow if I had any of the backstory. Like, so uh, that's like, fair. Uh, that's fair. Like what I would refer to as depressed Thor. You hadn't seen his entire arc, which led him to the point where he was just fat playing video games with his friends. Did and, they make him look like the Big Lebowski on purpose? Oh, I mean, was that supposed to be? I mean, just. It, he is he is chiseled from granite in every other. But he thing. had the then, same Big Lebowski sunglasses, robe, everything. I, I think there was a nod, a, a, a <laughs> wink, and a nod to that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Thor is Thor is depressed because the Scandinavian countries' experiment with socialism has failed. That's right. <laughs> 
And by the way, I disagree that you had to see the other ones. A good script writer, Sean, he'll write in a conversation where Iron Man says to Ant-Man, this is tougher than the spot we got in where we fought the Plutonians uh, across the desert to bring everybody up to speed. You know, in, in, one, in the same weekend I watched Endgame Avengers, which I hadn't seen in his three hours long, um, I saw that and read the entire script of Streetcar Named Desire. Now, I'll bet I'm the only person on planet Earth that did those two things in a 48-hour period. I'll bet you're right. Yeah. And one is, there's a lot, there's a fair amount of punching in Streetcar, too. It's a little more. No. Are you, are you really trying to compare the amount of punching in, in <laughs> Avengers Endgame to something called, what was it? A Streetcar Named Desire? <laughs> did they even have green screens when they made that? That's a stupid name for a streetcar anyway. Uh, anywho, my son really liked it, though. He just loved it. He kept saying during the movie, this movie is so good. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. He's a child. I got to say, on our new 72 inch 4K TV, it was the the the, that I got for six hundred dollars. Um, the uh, because I now know they sell those TVs so cheap because once you get the Internet TV, which I didn't have before, now they're getting all my data. That's why they make the TV so cheap. They want the yeah. they want the access to your data because there's more money in the data than the than the electronics. It's cheap, but not as cheap as crude oil. I got Judy siphoning all the water out of the pool right now. I've bought me a few million gallons. I don't know how many barrels is that, sweetheart. We're still doing the math, but <laughs> I'm hoping I can you know store a good uh, two three hundred barrels worth of uh, crude oil in my swimming pool. Oil was negative forty dollars a barrel yesterday. There was a period of time you could just stop by the Shell station and they paid you to fill up your car. And they were squirting gas onto the ground because it was oh, yeah. just cheaper for them. Using it to clean your windshield. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Filling that dispenser to wipe, wipe your windows. Send you yeah. with an extra big gulp full of it to just on your way in case yeah. you need it for later. Gas in the tank, gas in the window washer well, gas in the radiator. <laughs> I mean, it's you might as well use it, right? <laughs> That's hilarious. So, uh, has any, anybody checked on the well-being of Kim Jong-un lately? Right. NBC reported last night in a tweet that Kim Jong-un was brain dead, which is the same as dead. You're dead dead at that point. Um, uh, and then deleted their tweet. Said, oh, sorry, we, do, we should, probably should have checked that. You think? Whoops. <laughs> you announced the death of a world leader. Not only a world leader, but a, uh, a rogue world leader with nukes. Yeah. Oh, never mind. Yeah, who's been in a battle with Trump at various times. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, nice job, NBC. It's pretty on brand for you, though. You know, you're the home of Brian <laughs> Williams. Yeah, so. no kidding. Hey, by the way, I was just reading about the U.S.'s contingency plans in case Fathead does croak. Um, because they, the expectation is it's going to be a mass scale humanitarian crisis inside the country. Ian Bremmer says there's, he doesn't think there's any succession plan in North Korea by design. Right. Because that makes you more vulnerable if there is a plan for for stability to, yeah, they, to somebody taking you out at some point. Right, exactly. That uh, That's an aspect that I really enjoyed of the absolutely fabulous book, The Dictator's Handbook. There are a couple of different um, books with that title. This is the good one. But they talk about, yeah, if there's a structure and it's clear who the heir apparent is, if you suck, that makes it easy for everybody to come together and say, well, all right, let's go with the number two guy. Uh, if there's nothing but, like, chaos and a bloodbath and, and competing interests and everything else, and, and you might end up with your head literally on the chopping block, yeah, that makes you less likely to overthrow the guy. Uh, but they're talking about millions of people facing starvation, a mass exodus of North Korean refugees into China, 
uh, a scramble for the arms. And so our military and State Department has done what they do. They put together contingency plans that they hope will work if it happens. But he has not been seen for a while. Right. Yeah, I'm sorry. We should have filled folks in on that. It's legit that there's concerns. Back when we were younger, I remember this would be in the news regularly when uh, the, the, the whoever was running the Soviet Union at the time, and it'd be in the news that you hadn't seen Urien drop off in a month, and there was concern that he died. And it turned out sometimes that he did. Sometimes all of a sudden Brezhnev would show up on TV, hadn't been seen in two months. Oh, I guess he's fine. Yeah. Well, the Daily NK, which is an online news periodical based in Seoul, it's run mostly by North Korean defectors. Seoul periodical. It's uh, reported that uh, Lil' Kim, who's 36, was recovering from his April 12th surgery uh, on a, at, a, at a resort, in a, essence. The report said Kim was in bad health because of heavy smoking, obesity, and overwork. That'll do it. Well, he does, How, he does smoke like crazy, and he's a big, fat guy. Yeah, well, and he's got to show off at all the missile shootings and point fondly at the radar screen and stuff like that. We've all seen that picture over and over again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all the missile shootings. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he has not been seen at any of the important state events, including the most important holiday. That's the birthday of his grandfather, the founder of the communist hellhole, uh, Kim Il-sung. So nobody's quite sure what's going on. Uh, North Korea's uh, Korean Central News Agency has claimed Kim presided over a meeting discussing coronavirus on April 11th and electing his sister as an alternate member of the political bureau of the ruling workers' party, whatever that means. So I'm not going to make a uh, an unfortunate transition to this Trump story I have, even though last night when I was perusing the Internet, the uh, tweet that talked about Kim dying, somebody tweeted beneath it, Speaking of hated dictators, did you see that Trump blah, blah, blah? And somebody somebody responded in a tweet, way to take this story and turn it into Trump so quickly. But, um, uh, so Trump's got a new White House press secretary, some hottie blonde who looks like she's a Miss America. She looks like she'd be the bachelorette. That's what she looks like. Mm. If you showed me that picture, I'd think, oh, she's clearly the new bachelorette. No, that's why that's the new press secretary for Trump. Whatever that job means now, because he's his own press secretary. Well, the last gal never did a briefing. Never did one. But yeah. this uh, this blondie chick, she asked the media to refer to Trump as President Trump. Okay, so that's why yesterday I, I checked trending on Twitter, and trending was impeached President Trump. And I thought, what? what why is that trending? And I, I clicked on it, and there were every tweet that talked about Trump, whether it was coronavirus relief or the election or whatever they all said impeached president trump well apparently somebody got started okay if you're going to make us refer to him as president trump we're going to refer to him as impeached president trump oh impeached impeached what did it sound oh, like i said uh, oh i thought it was just impeach like oh, no. we want to impeach impeached him. past tense remember when nancy pelosi said he's been impeached forever and in history he will be impeached that all of history. stain will be upon him. And whoever thinks about that and know that stain is not upon him and nobody cares. Um, if you hated him before, you still do. If you didn't, nothing's changed. But um, so I guess that's the that's the sort that's the level of back and forth that happens on Twitter that I generally don't pay attention to. And I will right. go back to not paying attention to today because that's just what are we in? What are we? Ten year olds looking for something to say? Yeah. I yeah. Know. It's just so weak. child. So yeah, exactly. So weak.
And and Twitter can be so interesting and fun, but then you get sucked accidentally into just an exchange of one-sided poison, and it just, oh, I, I'm, I, I'm certain that it's bad for your soul. This is a real story from the Washington Post today, written by Robert Costa. White House Ready's push to slash regulations as a major part of its coronavirus economic recovery plan. Yes! Never let a crisis go to waste. This is an opportunity for Trump. Uh, I think, and I'm all for this, slashing regulations left and right. Um, they'll only last as long as, you know, the administration does, because the next administration will be probably a Democratic administration. They'll be all for more regulations. But at least for now, it'll be a step in the right direction. Yeah, I read a great piece from the Mercatus Center. Maybe we'll talk about that tomorrow, about uh, the opportunity is here to really, really get rid of tons of regulations that aren't doing any good that are merely choking the economy and choking entrepreneurialism and with with practically no positive effect. Once a regulation's passed, it just never goes away. Right. It's ridiculous. Getting them passed is easy. Getting them repealed is super-duper hard. Um, and one more story I came across from the Cato Institute. By forbidding transit employees from wearing masks back in March, New York's Metropolitan Transportation Authority may have helped spread the coronavirus. I didn't realize the MTA had prohibited transit employees from wearing masks in early March. Ah, but trust the government. They know what's best for you. They'll build you a utopia. Today they know what they're doing. A month ago they they didn't. But what but, they're saying right. today is uh, correct. Almost, oh, clearly. Almost certainly. You must trust them implicitly. Yeah. Troubling. Um, text line 415-295-KFTC. We wanted to revisit a little of what uh, Tom McClintock had to say, because it was pretty damned interesting. Among other things, we're going to close hard, strong, right? Finish strong? Is that yeah, what we do generally? It's, it's worth hoping. So we kind of peter out and drift off. That's the one. That's the one right there. Armstrong and Getty. I asked Dr. Fauci these questions a couple of weeks ago. You know, have you taken into account the enormous economic damage that's being done by these policies and the poverty-related deaths we're setting in motion? And he said, no, we don't take those into account. Well, by God, they should. You know, the fact that he doesn't is fine with me. That's not his expertise. That's not what he's the best in the world at. What he's the best in the world, Dr. Fauci at, is understanding viruses and the way they spread. But then you can't make him the face of the decision-making for the economy. That's not fair to him. No, no. He shouldn't be asked those questions, and he certainly shouldn't answer them. You know, that's why you have a cabinet or, or advisors. And you, uh, you know, bring together the advice and come out with a result. But, yeah, to have one of those voices so completely dominant, that's just not right. Yeah. Uh, Tom McClintock, uh, congressman from Northern California, was uh, chatting with us. He also made a point about the uh, the media's role in all of this. The media is obsessed with it. There's an old maxim that uh, bad news sells. Um, if, if we were focusing as much attention on the twenty to 60,000 Americans who die every single year from the flu, as we are focusing on the COVID-19 deaths, well, we'd all be hiding under our beds. Yeah. 
Yep. And uh, what was the last one? I can't remember. Just go ahead and play it. Every day this, this shutdown goes on, there are businesses that are closed and that are not going to reopen. And every day that goes by, it's going to be harder and more difficult to restore what was the most promising economy in our lifetimes just two months ago. We got into a conversation, too, about the money being spent and uh, and how it's being spent and how much it is and debt and all that sort of stuff. Uh, you start throwing around trillions of dollars, all kinds of things are going to happen. Are you following this story? A couple of California small businesses are suing J.P. Morgan Chase and Wells Fargo for the way they were handing out the loans. Have you, did you see this? Yeah, I just saw the headline. A buddy of mine brought it up yesterday. Actually. Anyway, I got, turned, I got turned on to this by a texter. Have you guys talked about this yet? It came out yesterday. So what J.P. Morgan Chase was doing, and it's supposed to be first come, first serve. So this explains exactly why a buddy of mine has not heard anything back yet about his loan to keep his business afloat during this. He's a tiny business. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to do first come, first serve. So first day it was open, man. He got on there, got the paperwork and everything like that. What they decided to do is they went with the big loans first because they get more fees. Oh, my so God. So they make a heck of a lot more money off fees off of a big loan. So they prioritized by size of loan rather than who got their paperwork in on time. Wow. And, uh, and that screwed a lot of your, well, the smaller your business, the less likely you were to get your loan. Hey, hey Banks, have you tried just tried being less despicable at any point. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Especially now, Wells they, Fargo. Did they violate specific rules, or was that like a loophole, or what? I mean, you know, that's a good question. Because if it was just laid on them, I, you know, that was a hell of an oversight. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd like to. I'd like to know. Let's uh, let's look into that, and if somebody's got a kicking coming, oh, by golly, we're just the guys to do it. Uh, rather than they 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 uh, they prioritized prioritized the largest loan amounts because they generated the highest fees, rather than processing them on a first come first serve basis as the government had promised would happen. Mm. Of course, promising it will happen and having it in writing are two different things. So the government saying to small businesses, and this will be first come first serve to get your paperwork in is not the same as it was in a contract with the banks. Yeah, there's no obligation for nope. them to do that if it wasn't. Nope. Yeah. Oh, nope. nope. No, but not. it does take some balls, you know, to go outside of what was announced would be the policy. I mean, that's a specific decision. And, you know, PR is not meaningless. Well, I'll bet that's what happened to the, uh, my buddy that I, I, I most know about this system. I just keep asking him because it's the only person I know that's actually going through the process. But right. he's a tiny business. I mean, there's no way he would... He would rank with, uh, you know, a chain of people that change oil and stuff like that. Right. Um, right. So that's that's what's going on there. You know, you, you'll never get your loan if they're going to do it that way. Because if they're looking at it, how many how much fees they're getting out of this, they're not even gonna, they're never even going to take the time to to have an employee file the paperwork on your business. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's all rotten. It's very frustrating. Yo, son, this is Final Thoughts with A&G. You see, because it's taxpayer freaking money at the end of the day, and taxpayers, I guarantee you, if you put it to a poll, would say, oh, yeah, first come, first serve, not based on size. But that's not the way you handled our money. So damned maddening. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody to wrap up the uh, hour in the show. There he is pressing the buttons. He keeps us on the air in the control room. Michelangelo. Michael? After hearing today's show, I really think it's time to open up. I think you can be cautious. If you want to wear a mask, gloves, fine. But, I, you know, I think it's time to open up. Clearly. 
Uh, Positive Sean, our producer. Final thoughts, sir? I, I remain baffled by the lack of testing available for the uh, the public at large, because I would love to know if, like I am hypothesizing, I encountered the COVID-19 at some point, and my immune system, like a skinny jeans-wearing Chuck Norris, just roundhouse kicked it right Chuck- out of my my my, my <laughs> sphere. And uh, yes. I, I need I need the test to know if that's if that's happened or not. Yeah. Whoop it says! Whoop it says! Good stuff. Hey, Jack, a final thought to share? No, I fully get that I don't I don't appreciate your superhero movies. And that doesn't mean they're bad. It's just not my thing. Am I supposed to be endlessly amazed that, oh, that's right, that guy is so strong he can knock down a wall or something? Is, just, is, that, is, that, is that the key to the wonder, the, the, the special effects? I kind of like Hulk's character, more of a bookish Hulk. Yeah, much more the, the on the scientist Bruce Banner side than the Hulk mad. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he talked like in full sentences and everything. Wore glasses. Did he get uh, a bit, bit by of... a radioactive lizard or something? Why is he big and green? What happened there? It was radioactive, but it was there was not an animal involved. He was doing some experiments in his lab. Regular, and I feel like you don't actually care about the answer to this question. <laughs> huh. Maybe he got the COVID. <laughs> I turned feel, to, I feel turned like, to big green and angry. I feel like you don't actually care. You're just asking this question in an attempt to mock uh, well, something gotta, that I hold dear. So I got to put some eye drops in so the squeak as I rolled them isn't as loud. But you know what? I took the movie fully seriously with my 10-year-old son who was loving it. Of course, I didn't mock it or say this is stupid around him. As I wouldn't. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. It's because he's 10. So many people <laughs> thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. All of our podcasts are there from on demand to the one more thing to the extra large. And uh, email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. See you tomorrow. God bless America. You having a good time? Okay, I, I did not say okay. that. I've sat here for over three hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> that sucks. If you wish to leave, you may. Let me just say how very, very dismaying and disappointing. Not uh, good. And just change the channel from this mesmerizing horror show. We'll be better tomorrow than we were today. Then we heard the words. It's over for me. Adios, mofo. Okay, so we're, we're, you're, we're dismissed, is that correct? Do you want to rephrase uh, what you're doing? There's his reflection in the mirror. Oops. Ah, the perils of reporting from home. Armstrong and Getty.